All right, as we head into the final half hour of our show, my friend Yael Lasowski joins us on the Big Talker FM, as he does every Friday just after 9.30, our final guest of the week, the hostess with the mostess on the Consumer Choice radio show that airs on Saturdays at 10 a.m. I just called you a hostess, Yael. Are you offended? I apologize. I promise I'm not oh. offended, Joe. All right, there I'm we are. I'm not offended at all, and I'm here. All right. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, you know, I don't know. You may cancel culture me here real quick, uh, the way things are going. But, uh, wow, what a crazy world we live in, Yael. And I know you're on the other side of the world, uh, in Vienna. And, uh, well, I, I couldn't help uh, but take notice of uh, your beautiful background uh, while we met briefly last night uh, th- or yesterday afternoon through our Zoom meeting. And you're celebrating your wedding anniversary this week, but still making time to join the listeners of Wilmington, North Carolina, and the surrounding areas. I mean, what a guy. Uh, that's what I do, Joe. I bring information to the people, and I'm here to serve, uh, just like anyone else. So the more information that we can bring, the best analysis that we can bring, maybe I can finally earn that title of hostess with the mostest. That's fine by me. And uh, with that said, uh, I just want to alert people again. In the last uh, segment, I talked about uh, how we've been expanding our local programming and adding different shows, content, influencers uh, to you know, our radio station and, and, the, and the programming that you hear. Uh, Yael also working behind the scenes with us to kind of revamp uh, our website to, and get things done technically behind the scenes through a more digital presence. So stay tuned. We've got a lot of exciting things going on here at the Big Talker FM as we try and grow and make this thing a little bigger, faster, and stronger. Yael, you get published in many of the major publications across our country on a nearly weekly basis, and you've got a new article op-ed that's out in the Miami Herald this week talking about uh, you know the justice system, how we can improve the justice system, how we can get some accountability within our institutions. Obviously, a lot in the news surrounding accountability, specifically within law enforcement agencies. I would add into the education system as well. When we talk about teachers and the lack of accountability when it comes to public education, maybe a conversation for another time. But talk about your piece in the Miami Herald and give us some practical solutions to stopping this police brutality and get some accountability within law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, I think first off, Joe, we we have to sort of recognize, and I know you've covered this all week, uh, but we have to kind of recognize what's happening. And uh, this is happening in North Carolina. It's happening in Florida. It's happening in California, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, across the entire country, and actually, indeed, across the entire world. Uh, Even here in Vienna, even in London, even in Berlin, there are protests that are happening all around the same time, all around the same theme. Uh, There's a lot of outrage over the unfortunate death of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis Police Department. And I think it's been good to have a nice sort of vociferous movement of people and protesters. It has gone wrong in many cities. I know you've covered that here. There has been a lot of violence. There has been looting. There's been even more um, violence sometimes by the police and protesters as well. There's been rioting. There's been looting. Um, overall, I think the message is still important. We have to go back to that while recognizing all the bad that is happening. And it, it is chaos and it is anarchy. And there are a lot of people who are trying to exploit that. But if we want to just go to a concrete demand, something to actually address what is happening, to address what a lot of the first protesters who came out were upset about, and it's it's sort of the state of police officers, of interactions between communities and how police officers are punished. And I think uh, I know there are a lot of police officers who listen to this program and this station, and I think we all support the police com- community. We, we love our 
police officers and our general law enforcement uh, personnel, and they are actually probably more upset than we are because there's someone who, in their name, wearing a badge, uh, was in a situation where someone died at their hands. And now all those officers have been charged, but I think a lot of people are wondering, what can we do? What is the next step? So what I discuss in my article is the idea of ending qualified immunity. Um, this allows civil servants and police officers essentially to be shielded from future lawsuits uh, whenever you have any kind of situation where they might have had some kind of dangerous act or they might have used some kind of lethal force. And the Supreme Court, what they've done is they've actually had this legal doctrine of qualified immunity that's been allowed to be a defense and an argument. And uh, the, the legislation that really everyone should be supporting right now is to just try to end this, end that defense, and then it allows police officers who are the bad apples, who are the bad ones, who actually do use force more than uh, is warranted in a situation that results in people losing their life or their rights, uh, that they are not able to take that defense, and you can take them to court. Now, the reason that's important is because you can't do that right now. And I think one of the main arguments I made is that that's because too much of the legal system is just porous with all kinds of terrible consumer fraud cases that are pretty frivolous and bogus in themselves. Um, I think if you analyze the number of cases, a lot of it are these large class action lawsuits because the, the price of an Amazon ebook was 40 cents higher than advertised originally. And there's so many of these cases out there. There's a big report that came out from the Jones Day law firm that kind of shows how many of these have been bogus, how much it's actually just driven by lawyers who get like sometimes up to 70% of settlements. This is the bad that's covering up the legal system and all of our justice system, whereas we need to have new changes that would help end qualified immunity and we can actually get real justice through our legal system instead of this kind of bogus rigmarole that we have now. Long point, but hopefully I made it, and you can also read the article in the Miami Herald. Well, of course, uh, you know, the legal system and the way the justice system works, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, you don't... Uh, fl flip the switch one day and then uh, you know get convictions the next day this is oftentimes a lengthy process particularly when you're talking about uh, you know felonies and murders and other types of you know high uh, impact crimes you know you get lawyers and then the system kind of stalls out i mean just for a you know a, a dwi case for instance uh, many people are, are waiting a year and a half two years to have their day in court uh, before getting you know p given the, the consequences for their actions so you know justice is something that often grinds slowly in our system and uh, that's a tough pill to swallow for many but i also have a few thoughts on you know ba your statement here and your article mm -hmm. and the premise of that uh, you talk about the frivolous lawsuits well does wouldn't this kind of create a slippery slope where now any time some police officer uses force and we all know that sometimes force is needed uh, to in fact uh, detain a, a, a person that is uh, you know, committing an act of crime or an act of violence, and uh, wouldn't that not create a situation there where the courts get filled up with all of these lawsuits because a police officer takes action that he sees fit to detain uh, a person into custody? Yeah, I, I don't disagree, Joe. I think you know here we're talking mostly about incentives. If police officers know that they're in a situation and that they're not going to have this uh, protection where they can say, hey, look, I was just on the job. I had to use this force. Uh, we would assume that you would have less of these cases where deadly force was used without cause or without reason. And there are many cases where it is warranted. 
Um, you know, the majority of interactions with police officers are not one-sided. Uh, usually it is two-sided. There is something that leads to that. Uh, normally they need some kind of warrant or reasonable suspicion in order to uh, come up to someone. So that exists. Is that going to mean more uh, frivolous lawsuits? That I don't know. I, I would hope that this would just be more of a deterrent. And we wouldn't have to turn to the legal system to to kind of do everything. I think that might be one problem that we have in our country is there are too many lawsuits. Um, if we are to end qualified immunity, I think that's procedurally just looking at the situation. And it's also with civil servants. It's not just police officers. It's sort of anyone who's employed by the government, either federal, state, or local. I think there's a lot that can be done there. Will it lead to more cases? I'm not sure. Uh, it's definitely something to think about, something to debate and that's why our legislature needs to stand up. I mean, this is what they should be doing. Um, you know, they should be actually getting together, debating, talking about these ideas. Um, I know they're on vacation right now, but uh, now it seems like it's, it's a time that they can get together and, and to maybe pass something that would alleviate a lot of the protests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we talk about uh, you know the accountability needed within law enforcement uh, and the ability to make change, it seems like every time an incident like this happens, you know there's emotion, there's uh, passion, there's anger, there's frustration, and then uh, it loses its steam in the news cycle. Lawmakers do nothing, and then another incident happens, and we just it's just the perpetual a dog chasing its tail, and there's never actual any change. I mean, you and I have sat here in the last uh, you know five minutes and talk more substance than any of our lawmakers have in the better part of the last 30 years as it relates to law enforcement and the need for accountability. Yeah, and that's why I mentioned incentives. Um, you know, much like the school system, a lot of things are actually protected by the unions, and the unions for police officers are just as strong as unions for teachers. And uh, that, that's something that makes it very difficult many times to weed out the bad apples. And that's something that people are going to have to admit. And that's uh, something that the Democrats specifically have a problem with, because uh, many unions, uh, teachers unions, police unions do support Democratic candidates in many cases. So there are, there are incentive problems there. And that's something that people need to recognize as well and hopefully be honest about. That's why it's good to talk about this stuff on the, on the radio or be able to publish and think about it. You know, there, there are ways that we can move this forward. We just have to think concretely and we have to think about policies now. I think if we want to discuss um, all the ills of American history, um, we're going to be here for a long time. And it's a lot of rhetoric and a lot of people are going to get upset and we're not going to have concrete change. So that's what we need to do. Focus on that. Focus on what we can actually do right now in the short term. And I think people will be a lot more satisfied with that than us talking about this again in six months when it happens again. Well, the fact of the matter is, as you said, the unions have a lot of might and power and influence, and they also pad the pockets of uh, re-election campaigns for a lot of politicians, and I just don't know if there's enough uh, fortitude, uh, intestinal fortitude within our politicians and uh, those who have spines to actually move forward this type of stuff, particularly in an election year. Ultimately, I just have a feeling that this may play out the way we've seen so many cases where, yeah, there's a lot of emotion. It's dominant in the news headlines. Uh, we talk about it. Uh, we continue to harp on it here, people like you and I. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, will the lawmakers respond? I just don't know if they're willing to stand up to these public unions. And that's ultimately <laughs> what it comes down to. There is a beacon of light. Uh, Justin Amash, who's a representative from Michigan, uh, he was formerly a Republican. He's now part of the Libertarian Party. He actually introduced a bill on ending qualified immunity like I'm talking about, and he's already got a dozen or so co-sponsors. 
and you know he's a third party independent guy so he's not necessarily beholden to anyone right now and he's he's sort of <laughs> he's sort of a uh we'll say a free agent for the moment so there could be some good movement there keep following that name Justin Amash and and you know there might be something good that comes in in a couple of weeks well, with that said, uh, I, I mean, uh, when we talk about uh, some of the ideas that are being put out there, none of which uh, you know, we are discussing right now, defunding and abolishing the police. I mean, really, this is an idea that is actually being considered in some of our cities? Yeah, I saw that in Minneapolis. Yeah, I mean, I, I think th- these are the kind of things that were philosophical debates that I used to have in university and college, and now they've been brought to the forefront, which is strange. Um, that's probably not the answer at all, I think. Uh, you're always going to have radicals in a particular situation, and sometimes they have good ideas, sometimes they have bad ideas. I don't know if we should go that far, but yeah, reforms are necessary, and I think uh, ending qualified immunity is probably number one, and then we can talk about civil asset forfeiture as another one, and maybe all of the laws that give police officers a reason to interact with you anyway— a lot of these laws are passed by the legislature and police are required by their duty and their uniform to actually go and, and ticket people or arrest people for them. So maybe we have too many laws in our society. Maybe that's a whole other thing to think about, too. And what about uh, you know the role district attorneys play in all of this? You, know, you get a bad apple, they get charged with a crime, and they go into the system, they have their day in court, but then you have a district attorney like a Amy Klobuchar in Minnesota uh, where she passed the buck on this same officer multiple times during her time as the county prosecutor in Minneapolis. Uh, what role do the DAs play in making people accountable? That's totally right. And that, that's why that's another reason why I love this station and this show, Joe, is because it is local and it's focusing on the things that matter. And elections for district attorneys, those matter. And you actually have a voice. You can actually change that. And it's, it's definitely true. Um, I'm, I'm echoing the words of Killer Mike. Um, if you don't like what's happening on the streets, then vote these people out. You keep voting for the same people over and over and over. You're going to keep getting the same result. Change it up. Actually vote with your heart. And if you want to change the system, you got to start by voting out the people who made it wrong in the first place. And I think a third piece to this, if we're going to focus in on law enforcement, is the training mechanism that uh, they go about. I mean, here in the city of Wilmington, for instance, uh, we recently invested in a 30,000-square-foot facility uh, in which uh, includes uh, a particular simulator that works uh, on de-escalation tactics specifically geared towards uh, you know unrest or, or crimes and criminals or, or people in the streets uh, that uh, you know may in the past uh, got into a situation where we would see police get a little out of hand uh, but there are also training tactics on de-escalation proven tactics that can be implemented in a lot of law enforcement agencies across the country we have it here in Wilmington uh, not elsewhere I think yeah that's great using technology um, I think in the last uh, 20 years, the it's kind of been the opposite. We've just been sending more and more uh, militaristic uh, firearms and training, and everything's been big military talk, and we've actually federalized our police more and more, and I think that's been a mistake, and that's something that was actually pushed by Joe Biden for a long time. It's been pushed by many Democrats, and it's very unfortunate. I think if we can kind of end militarization of police, we can have better technology that can help train them, like you discussed in Wilmington, Joe. That's a step forward, and I think there's there's a lot of steps. There's there are still ways that we can be helpful, and I think uh, small reforms like you're talking about, I think that'll lead us in a very good direction.
All right, as far as the agitators and instigators in these crowds that have been looting and rioting our streets, uh, a lot has been made of the now domestic terrorist group known as Antifa here in our country. We've seen kind of the destruction that they've been capable of, particularly in cities uh, to the Pacific Northwest, out in Portland, Oregon, Seattle. We've seen that kind of spread elsewhere over this last uh, couple of weeks. Well, out where you are in Europe, uh, Antifa has had a very large presence across uh, the EU for a very long time. Can you explain about uh, that? Yeah, I mean, this rose out of uh, everything that was happening in Germany, um, particularly between the different political factions and political parties. And you have this group, they call themselves Antifa, the anti-fascist um, that kind of rose up. And they had in their ideology not only an anti-capitalistic worldview, but one that actually glorified political violence. And uh, these have been very present in Europe for a long time. And even in the last decade, every time there's been a large G7 meeting or there's been some kind of large conference, you always see the Antifa guys dressed in black block, totally black, wearing their hoods, wearing uh, their pants and shorts, everything blacked out. And these are the first guys who are breaking windows, who are throwing bricks. We have like a history of this. It, it's not new. We've seen this in Seattle and Portland, at least for the last five years. And now we sort of see this uh, professional opinion holder uh, thing on the left that Antifa doesn't exist, that everyone is Antifa because you're against fascists. I guess I'm just Antifa, too. No, this is actually a worldview. It's a tactic that is used by many different groups. Yeah, they're not all huddled in one spot, but this is a tactic. It's an ideology. It's something that's been around. I mean, these guys have websites. Come on. They have Twitter pages. They're out there. And they're the ones who actually stoke a lot of violence. And uh, thankfully, you've seen a lot of the Black Lives Matter protesters actually stop a lot of the Antifa who've been, you know, smashing windows and throwing bricks and stop them and say, hey, look, what are you doing right now? This is not our message. We're trying to be peaceful. You're ruining it all. There's going to be a lot of focus on Antifa. They're real. It's a real ideology. And we got to root them out. These are dangerous guys. Yeah, people that, uh, you know, are are sworn to tear down the state, the police, uh, the whole system. Uh, that is their mission, and it's uh, you know loud and clear in some of the ways in which they go about uh, making their voice heard, if whatever that means. Uh, but uh, nothing woke woke me up more this week. Uh, opened my eyes to Antifa and other types of organizations such as uh, that one, as the website demandprotest.com. Actually, where you can go and uh, you know create have it. You've got an issue. You can go to these people. They are strategists mobilizing millennials across the globe with seated audiences and desirable messages. They create massive movements. When you need the appearance of outrage, Yael, they are able to deliver it at a scale while keeping your reputation intact. Demandprotest.com. And they've got the socialist fist, the communist fist, as part of their icon at the top of their homepage. Uh, very, They're not sponsoring your program, pleasant. are they, Joe? I have a doubt. I doubt that they would be willing to you know, join us in, in the fight for solutions to our problems. They just want to cause more problems and headaches for yeah. our society. All right, be careful yeah. in your studio. You might get a Molotov cocktail through the window. I hope not. Uh, we're on the ninth floor, so you got to have a pretty good arm to get here. Maybe they'll start shooting bow and arrows at us with flames. Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before I let you go, obviously Consumer Choice Radio, it airs tomorrow at 10 o'clock here on the Big Talker FM. Uh, what's up uh, for the latest edition of Consumer Choice Radio here on the Big Talker? Well, we've got the world-famous Rupert from Survivor, who's actually joining us. Uh, he's uh, become a fixture in the kind of civil justice scene, uh, ran for governor in Indiana against Mike Pence. 
Um, so he's made a lot of noise, and we were able to speak with him, and we speak with Alan Holmes about the idea of reparations for former enslaved persons. I know that's going to rile a lot of people up, but I think it's a, a good introduction to the topic, and I think it's going to be in public discourse a lot more the next couple of months. So hopefully some, some good conversations for everyone. Yael Lasowski with the Consumer Choice Center with us here this morning, consumerchoicecenter.org. Also check out his latest article at the Miami Herald. Yael, it's always a pleasure. Look forward to hearing you tomorrow here on The Big Talker. Thank you much, Joe. Cheers. That's Yael Lasowski again from the Consumer Choice Center. Joins us Fridays right here on The Big Talker FM.